right, we're going to spend the next 25 or 30 minutes in God's Word because God has very graciously and wonderfully given it to us to show us himself. I mean, just think about that. If I, if I told you, hey, c- come out here. God's out here. And he wants to speak with you. I mean, for one, you'd be terrified and you'd fall on your face. But if I, if I could tell you it was safe, yeah, you'd want to do that. Well, God does that through his word. There's no magic will do. Like it's, God uses common, ordinary means, the Bible, to speak to us. And so we get to know more of who God is and how he works in this world but we're also going to look at what he's intended for us because we're not who we should be. But there's good news because God can make us that. And so God will use this process of us learning from his word to make us what we're supposed to be. So that's what the next 25, 30 minutes will be all about. Before we, before we dive into his word, my, my brother has a dog named Asher. I'm really glad Asher's not here tonight. <laughs> So I'd have to explain uh, to that to him. Um, I, I love that dog. Like if a, if a World War II veteran could be a dog, that's Asher. Like he's just this old lumbering black lab that is just so sweet. He's the perfect dog, except, <laughs> except he loves to eat anything and everything without discretion. <laughs> So my sister-in-law Susie had made a pie one night for her family. They ate about half of it right after dinner. And then Susie covered the rest of the pie and left it on the kitchen counter, which the, the, the counter is one that has like two levels. So there's kind of the normal, like a kitchen counter is like about here, right? Well, the other level is kind of up here, all right? So she left it safe on the upper level then she went to bed. When she got up in the next, uh, the next morning, came into the kitchen, there were shards of glass and blood everywhere. She said, Joe, it was like a murder scene. Like there was blood everywhere. Asher had managed to get up this old <laughs> World War II veteran dog, had managed to get up, pull that glass plate down. It shattered, and he ate every crumb of that pie. And so what she found was blood and the glass. And somehow... Asher came out of that with just some cuts on his tongue and no other injuries, no other sign that any of this had taken place. Unbelievable, isn't it? When you just think through the logistics of it, you're just thinking, how did he pull this off? Could have killed him. And here's the crazy thing, thinking as a human, like I don't expect a dog to think this way, but for for us, the crazy thing is he was going to be fed just fine that morning, like he was every morning of his life, everything taken care of him, for him. He never lacks for food. His impatience almost killed him. 
Again, I don't expect much patience from a dog, but if we're honest, we're not that different. We don't like what or how God provides for us, and so we get impatient and we take matters into our own hands, which can leave us bloodied or even be deadly for our souls and, and maybe even our bodies. I don't know if you've heard this, but it's said that patience is a virtue and it's a godly, biblical virtue. God rarely works in our way or in our time. And so we got to learn to wait, trusting that God is good and that he is for us. For all who follow Jesus, God by his spirit produces this patience in us. Let's look at two verses that talk about patience. Galatians 5, 22-23, and this is the one we've been reading every week. It's the fruit of the Spirit, and this is what's kind of set the framework for our messages this semester. We're taking one of these at a time, so this week we're on patience, but I'm going to give you this yet again, and then we'll look at a different passage that talks about patience more in general, okay? But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things, there is no law. All right, if you'll jump over to James 5, this will talk a little more generally and more in depth about patience. And you've got it there on the screen too. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. And you have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. As you look at that text, James 5, 7 through 11, I want to talk about four big ideas that that come at us from this passage. First, the patience of the Lord. Second, patience because the Lord is coming. Third, patience grows from deep, deep roots. And then fourth, patience with one another. So the patience of the Lord, patience because the Lord is coming, patience grows from deep roots. And then lastly, patience with one another. I want to start with the one that actually shows up last in the text, the patience of the Lord. So big idea number one, the patience of the Lord. You see it there in the very last verse that we read. And I'm I'm going to start with this because I think it's, the most helpful because it's the most foundational then for the rest of what we're going to talk about. James talks all about how we're supposed to be patient and he sums it up there in verse 11 at the very end. You've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. In other words, how the Lord's been patient with you. Now, stop for a minute. And answer this question in your head. How has the Lord shown his patience to you? How has the Lord shown his patience to you? 
just so I can get a sense of what's going on in your heads, how did, how did you answer that? W would some of you be willing to share? How has the Lord been patient with you? Uh, forgiveness, and when it's the same thing over and over again. Yeah, forgiveness, forgiving us over and over and over. Okay, so his grace to you later in life, even though raised in a Christian family? Yeah. Other thoughts? How's the Lord been patient with you? His mercies are new every morning. Okay, his mercies are new every morning. That kind of goes with his forgiveness over and over. God shows mercy again and again. What's that? Yeah, he hears our prayers. He hears our cries. Here were a few that, that I wrote down and kind of going with what some of you said. He's patient with all my past sin. He's patient as I continue to sin. He's patient with my neglect of him, my unbelief, my ingratitude, my complaining. He's patient with my lack of patience. <laughs> I am so not what I'm supposed to be. And God is still so patient with me. He never leaves me. He never gets fed up with me. He's compassionate and merciful. He's patient with me. And God's compassion, God's mercy, God's patience are shown most clearly at the cross of Christ. At the cross, Jesus paid the debt of our sin. He took it all upon himself so we could be forgiven, so we could be made new. And this redemption that Jesus purchased on the cross is ours by faith. We don't work for it. We don't earn it. God gives it freely and we receive it by faith. Knowing the patience of God is the key to the rest of what we're going to talk about tonight. Because once we see and once we know the Lord's patience with us, that same patience then will be produced in us and will flow through us. Does that make sense? All right, so big idea number two, patience because the Lord is coming. This passage in James is speaking of patience in the midst of suffering, specifically the suffering of oppression and injustice, which is what verses one through six in this chapter talk about, oppression and injustice. And James points to the Lord's coming, and he does it twice. He points to the Lord's coming as a reality that will strengthen us in our present suffering. History is linear. It's moving toward something. Jesus came, Jesus was crucified, Jesus was raised, and even now he sits at the right hand of God, and one day he will return. And in his coming, he will judge the world and everyone no exceptions and no grading on a curve. Everyone will be called to account. In his coming, he will right every wrong. He will judge every injustice and he will make all things new. And so we can be patient in our suffering, knowing we don't have to set everything right because he will. And he will do it perfectly and righteously. In Palestine, three-fourths of the rainfall in a year falls from December to February. 
So seed for crops was sown before December, which was then fed by the early December rains. And then the late rains in February brought forth the harvest in the spring. The farmer's life, family, livelihood, and very existence depended on those rains. They had to wait with patience, trusting that God would bring what they needed when they needed it. And James says, this is what our lives are like. Did you see that reference to the late and the early rain or the early and late rains? Life is hard. This world is broken and suffering is fact. But like a farmer waits for the early and late rains, we wait for the Lord's coming. He's coming. That's promised to us. So be patient. The coming of the Lord is at hand, and when he comes, he'll make all things right and all things new. Until then, we wait and we labor with patience. Be patient then, brothers, until the, Lord, until the coming of the Lord. So be patient in your current stress and your mess. Be patient as you suffer with mental or physical health. Be patient as you deal with others who harm and who hurt. Be patient as life takes you on unexpected and disappointing turns. Things will not always be this way. Things will not always be this way. James tells us this. Throughout the scripture, we see this, and that's meant to give us encouragement. The Lord is coming, and he's with you until that day. So be patient in your suffering. Be patient because the Lord is coming. Big idea number three, patience grows from deep roots. The first command or the first imperative of this text is to be patient, which is why we're talking about patience from this text. But the second command or the second imperative here is establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord is at hand. You see it there in verse eight, establish your hearts. And along with that command, that imperative, James gives gives us a purpose clause because the Lord is at hand, because the Lord is near, establish your hearts. And what he means by that is root them deeply in God and in his word. And then right after saying that, he points us to two different examples of those who remain steadfast in the face of suffering. Did you see what those examples were? The prophets and Job. The prophets were God's messengers to his rebellious people. They were ignored, isolated, rejected, and even persecuted. But in, in the face of all of that, they remained faithful. They endured with patience, and they did the job that God had sent them to do. They were faithful because they were rooted in God and his word. And then there was Job, who lost his health, his family, his possessions, and all of that was lost in the span of one day. And here's how Job responded. And you're going to see these verses on the screen here. Then Job arose and tore his robe and shaved his head and fell on the ground and worshiped. Y'all, he just lost everything. And he's on his face before God, worshiping. And listen to what he said. Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
few chapters later, he says these words, he breaks me with breach upon breach. He runs upon me like a warrior. My face is red with weeping and my eyelids and on my eyelids is deep darkness. But listen to this. Even now, my witness is in heaven and he who testifies for me is on high. One more passage from Job. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God. You can hear the anguish in some of his words, can't you? But you can also hear the assurance of a soul that's deeply rooted in God and in his word. Job knew that God saw Job knew that his Redeemer lives. Job knew that it was God's name that is to be praised. And Job could say all those things because he knew God. His patience in suffering didn't just happen, didn't just appear for Job. Job's patience in suffering grew from roots that were sunk deep down in who God is. Knowing God led to trusting God, which then led to patience. Knowing God leads to trusting God, which leads to patience. Knowing and trusting God allow us to be patient when life isn't going our way. And let's be honest, when does it ever go our way? So root yourself in these truths. The Lord is in control. He loves you and he is for you. And he will work all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Do you know God? Do your roots go deep in his word? Suffering will come. Is your heart firmly established? Patience grows from these deep, deep roots. Big idea number four, patience with one another. And you see it there in verse nine. He says it this way, do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. In that verse, James is calling for patience with one another. Why does he need to say that? Because we can be quick to impatience which then leads to grumbling against others. You see, grumbling with the mouth is a symptom of impatience in the heart. Grumbling with the mouth is a symptom of impatience in the heart. And again, James includes a purpose clause here. He says, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. And I don't think this is fear-mongering on James's part. I think he's simply stating a reality. The reality, or the reality that if we judge one another and grumble against each other, if that's the pattern of our lives, we're going to answer to God for that. We're going to answer to God as our judge. I think that's what he's saying when he says, do not grumble so that you may not be judged. But instead, we're called to patience with one another. We live in a broken world and we're broken people and we ourselves are broken will be hurt and we will hurt. We will be sinned against 
and we will sin against. We will be disappointed and we will disappoint. And we who know the amazing patience and kindness of the Lord should be the ones quick to give it to others. In June 2014, Dylan Roof walked into Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina. He sat through an hour-long Bible study, and then he pulled out a gun, opened fire, and he killed nine people in that church. At his sentencing, family members of the victims were given the chance to speak. Nadine Collier, whose mother Ethel was killed, said this through her tears, I forgive you. You took something really precious from me. I will never talk to her ever again. I will never be able to hold her again. But I forgive you. And have mercy on your soul. I know nothing about Nadine Collier or the maturity of her faith, but what I do know is that that kind of forgiveness, that kind of grace, that kind of patience can only come from knowing something of the grace and the patience of the Lord. What kinds of things make you impatient or ungracious toward others? What kinds of things make you impatient or ungracious toward others? And then answer this, and it's rhetorical. How can you possibly hold on to those things knowing how patient and how gracious God has been toward you in Christ? Really, how can you, how can we possibly hold on to those things knowing how gracious and how patient God has been to us? God will judge those who judge. And so consider this an invitation to lay your judging and your grumbling down. Look at the grace and the patience that Jesus showed at the cross, and then go give that grace and patience to others. Be patient and be gracious toward one another. I wanna end by putting a picture in your mind. Imagine you're there at Jesus' crucifixion. You're in the crowd at the crucifixion. You're there and you're joining in with the crowd, mocking and jeering and yelling, crucify, crucify. And and y'all, the picture is kind of true to life because this is where our sins put us. We're in the crowd because it's our sin that put him there right? If we're we're being totally honest, it's our sin that put him there. So you're there and you're glad and you feel a sense of satisfaction when Jesus' hands are nailed and he's hung up on that cross. 
And then you hear the words, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Those were literally Jesus' words. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. On hearing those words, your heart would move up into your throat. You'd be stunned by Jesus' grace and patience, wouldn't you? Be stunned by that tonight. God has been and God continues to be so patient with you. Now go and live with that same patience in this world. It's a work of God's Spirit. God's going to have to produce that in us. So let me pray to that end. Father, if we're honest, we, we don't measure up to the kind of patience that this passage calls for in our pride in our busyness in our prejudices we're not quick to patience in fact we're we're quick to impatience we're quick to judging we're quick to grumbling god i pray that you would change our hearts We confess all of this to you and and we thank you for the blood of Jesus that washes us, that makes us clean, that takes away all our sin. And we claim that as our only hope. And Lord, also we need your spirit to work in us to produce this kind of patience in us. Lord, I pray too that you would take our our chins and just lift our heads to the horizon at the fact and the reality and the promise that you are coming again, Jesus. And I pray that that would not be a matter or an occasion for fear because we've been made right with you through the blood of Jesus, but instead would be a matter of encouragement because you will make all things right and you will make all things perfectly new. So, Lord, keep our eyes and our hearts fixed on that day. And then give us strength for today. To be patient. Trusting you, knowing you, and loving you. And we pray it in Christ's name. Amen.